have them share with us and uh, thank the Lord for them and, and what God does through them. Make sure I'm turned on here. Yep, that's right. So I get this wrong sometimes. So I want to make sure it's right today. But it is great to be here. And the, the, the passage that God's laid on my heart for us to, to focus on today is um, it's one. There are several that, that, uh, that just stick in my mind and, and just don't ever leave it. And, and one of them is this, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Uh, you know, this, this weekend, this Saturday, we're coming up with our Operation as Much Emphasis. And, and, uh, and for me, this, this passage is one of the ones that, that points to that and, and actually spurs us on to do that. Having eyes to see what Jesus saw and uh, a heart to respond as he did. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, for they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, bow with me together now as we pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for who you are, and, and God, we're thankful for what you do in our lives. And we want to be responsive to you. God, we want to serve you absolutely and completely. So God, help us to hear your voice. Help us to understand. And then give us courage to respond as we offer this prayer and offer our lives to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In this passage in in John 9, the the first verse that we read, Jesus went to every city and village teaching, preaching, and healing. So he was going doing the things that that we would would think of a a teacher or an evangelist or particularly somebody who was going to reach the whole world doing. But then in, in verse 36, and this is where I want us to focus. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. The the question I want us to look at today is, do we see what Jesus saw? And he looked out at Jerusalem and he saw the people. They were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder if in church sometimes what, what we want, we want people to, to come. We, we want them to be in here. We want them to come and to grow with us and to learn with us and, and to be a part of the body of Christ. So when we look out around and we're looking at people who aren't on the inside, what do we see? You know, do we see people that we have a negative attitude toward? And we think, well, you know, why aren't they doing right? Why aren't they behaving right or living right? And then we, we judge and we point fingers. Or do we do what Jesus did? And again, he says, he was moved with compassion for them, for they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus, you know, first of all, he saw the people. He had a compassion for people. This coming Saturday, April 21st, we're going to have Operation As Much. And, and, and Connie did say, you know, be here at 8 o'clock. 
8 o'clock is, is when we'll start Saturday. And what the goal is of Saturday, or, or really any day, it, it ought to be any day in our lives, and inasmuch shouldn't be just a you know, one-and-done thing. But what the goal is is that we get out of here, out of our seats and into the streets. We get out of the inside and we hit the outside. And I think having a vision like Jesus did, when he looked around the city and he saw the people, he had compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They were wandering. You know, we talked in the, in the Sunday school class I was in in Thomas's this morning about, about having compassion and about pastor being a shepherd. A shepherd leads. Well, now imagine if you took a bunch, and some of you are farmers. Some of you probably have, maybe not sheep, maybe somebody does, but, but cows or, or pigs or, or chickens. Imagine taking a chicken house and opening the doors. And, I'm, and I mean, and they're just going to go. They're going to go everywhere. Because you, in the chicken house, in the, or the old time in the chicken yard, you, you constrained them. You, you gave them some order and some parameters. For when you're raising animals today, if you're being a, a shepherd for animals, you're going to give them parameters. You're going to give them order because you don't want them to, to perish. Well, Jesus looked out at the, at the city and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep with no shepherd. They were like sheep just wandering, just going wherever. A sheep that wanders, what you're basically seeing is a sheep that nobody cares about and a sheep that's on their own. Now, we don't want the people of Conway and surrounding areas to live like they're on their own. You know, good luck. You're on your own. I had a, a friend once that was talking about his life, and that's kind of what he said, that he felt like he was on his own, that nobody had ever helped him. You know, what a, what a sad story. That you're on your own. And Jesus looked at people and said, they're, they're like sheep with no shepherd. They're like they're on their own. And what he wanted them to understand is, you're not on your own. There is a shepherd. Don't run from the shepherd. Don't turn your back on the shepherd. But if you have, the shepherd's coming to look for you. At Operation In As Much, there are, there are two different reasons that we will be a part of that. One of them is that we see a need and we want to meet it. Period. Somebody's hurting. Somebody's hungry. Somebody's got a need. And if we can meet that need, we want to do it. That's part of, of why we do it. But there's a bigger reason why we do it, and that is, is that we want to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow them to have an entry point in their life for the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, some of the people that we serve, they're, they're going to be Christians, and we'll praise the Lord for it. I had a friend once that said, doing things like in as much, you should only do it for people who weren't Christians. And I said, so does that mean if somebody joins your church, they lose the right for you to help them? Because they're already believers. And so you're not going to help them because they're believers. No, that's not true. We're going to help them because we can. 
whether they're saved or whether they're not saved, whether they're a part of the, the fellowship here or not a part, we want to reach out and help people. We want the community to see that we love them. Uh, I, I think I told you this story before, but it's, it's real short. I'll repeat it because it's, it's one I'll never forget, I, I hope, until, I'm a, until I die. Uh, a, a year or two ago, I was in Cuba, and I visited a church that was closed or had been closed, and, and the pastor, Roy, said that two years previously they had had you know, boards, had plywood over the windows and doors. It was shut down. And then the day I was there, there were 117 people there. And he introduced me to a, a lot of folks that he said, this is one of our missionaries. So after the service, I came up and I said, Roy, there were a, you know, 100 and something people here today probably. And he said 117 he had counted or somebody had. And I said, and then you introduced me to a lot of people that you said were your missionary, but you told me that the church was, was closed. Yeah, two years ago. I, he said, yeah, it was. I said, so tell, what, what happened and what did you do? And he, he reared back in his chair and he kind of closed his eyes. He said, well, of course we prayed. And he said, and then we made a decision as a church that we wanted to be the first people that somebody in our town called, no matter what the need was. It didn't matter if it had anything whatsoever to do with the church. We wanted them to call us first because we wanted them to know that we cared. And he said, as a result, yeah, those ten people I introduced you to, those are our ten house church planters or the planting churches in other parts of the city. And we've sent them out, and we had 117 here today. Two years, two years that that had happened. And what, what that pastor was basically telling me is the same thing that we read right here. Jesus saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion, for they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Roy wanted his church at Mahagua, Cuba. He wanted his church to be the go-to people for the whole community, no matter who they were or what they needed. What a tremendous vision. That we want the community to know we care. So Jesus saw the people and he had compassion for them. But then he, he asked them, he made a comment and then he asked a question. He said in, in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers refused. So there's his comment. So he, he saw the potential. The harvest is plentiful. But he also identified the problem. The laborers are few. Sometimes in, in church, we're, we're guilty of thinking that, hey, there, yeah, there aren't as many people in, in the neighborhood of Conway as we wish there were. We wish it was like Greensboro when there were 100,000 people or, or whatever. There aren't. And say, well, who are we going to reach? In any city, in any county, in any state in North America, and it's probably true in the whole world, but I know it is in North America, in any city, the majority of the people in any city do not have an active, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So there are more people outside of the church this morning, and I don't mean just attending one of the worship services here, but outside of a growing relationship with Christ, there are more outside than there are inside. 
Now, if we really believe that Jesus Christ is the shepherd who will guide us through life, we owe it to people to give them a way to meet him. And Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Well, Roy basically said that in Cuba. That town is a, was an old uh, American uh, sugar cane factory that, that took sugar cane, made sugar back before the revolution in 1959. And it had been closed down since 1959. So if anybody had an excuse to say, hey, hey man, there isn't any hope for this church. Mahogwa's the town's got no real active business in 60 years. What are we going to do? We'll just give up? No. We're going to become the people that everybody in Mahogwa, Cuba calls no matter what they need. And here two years later, they had way over 100 people. That particular day I was there, three people gave their lives to Christ that day. That day. So Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. He knew what he was talking about, not just that day, but this day. The harvest is plentiful. So we need to understand there are people out there who can be reached. I read statistics a a while back, and and these are not new. These numbers don't really change a lot. But three-fourths of the people who were actively involved in a church came to that church because of a friend or family member. Three out of four. Which means that in a smaller town, we've actually got better odds because the relationships are stronger in smaller towns than they are in cities. New York City is tough. They don't know you. And if they're going to come because of a friend or family member, and most people in New York City you don't know, well, then guess what? They're typically not coming. So you've got to build a relationship and then invite them. We've already got that. So Operation Inasmuch is a way that we can impact people's lives and show them that we really, really, really do care. And then he said this, though, in identifying the problem, the laborers are few. Have you ever had good intentions but then didn't follow through? You know, maybe somebody said, will you pray for me? Sure, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you honestly, you forgot about it. You didn't do it. Your mind was occupied or you were busy or or maybe you're like me and you forget so much you didn't write it down so you didn't have the reference to look back. Or you had the good intentions. How many New Year's Day resolutions were that we were going to exercise more and eat less and we didn't do it? I hadn't done it and I need to. So good intentions. The good intentions that we're going to help our neighbor when they're in need, and then we just, we don't mean to not do it, but we just don't do it. The good intentions. Jesus says here, harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. So applying that to our walk with Christ, how many of us, if we're brutally honest today, have to say, I've, I've got to confess that I've seen many things that I could have done something about, and I didn't do it. I wasn't one of the laborers. I, I didn't meet the need. And so when I talk about not reaching people, I've got to confess that, that I haven't done everything I should have done. You know, a lot of us are like that. 
Jesus said the laborers are few. You know, Saturday, we're going to fan out dozens of people from this church alone, and, and by God's grace, hopefully people from other churches as well. And every single stop is going to be an opportunity to share Christ in word and in deed with, with people. Some of them have been believers for decades, and they just need to be reminded that somebody cares. Uh, one spring after uh, we had the 2011 the tornadoes in several places in North Carolina, I went to a house, uh, Mr. Walker, Alistair Walker, and, and we put a roof on his house, and... and uh, I, I'm just, I'm not in the shape that I should be doing roofs. And back then, I was in better shape than I am now, but I'm, I'm not a roofer. And so I spent two days, and a bunch of us did. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't fun to me. So I'm up there doing this. And, and you know, one day the, the rain was coming. It was kind of like this afternoon supposed to be. It was all predicted to rain. It was our second day. And I mean, we're putting a roof on, so you're like, we're up there praying. God, please don't let it rain. We, we need today. We need till it's going to take us till 2 or 3 o'clock. Please, God, let these clouds pass. And, and I'm up there miserable thinking the whole time, you know, I'm just, I am not a roofer. What am I doing up here? And making a commitment in my heart that this is the last roof I'm doing. Because I actually, I pulled the team together. I had called all these people, and I'm like, you are... To myself, I'm thinking, Paul, you are just you are just dumb. Why didn't you drive on by? Because somebody from the Sampson County Emergency Services had called me, and I all I had to say is, uh, Brother Bass, I am not a roofer. I will be praying for you, but I'm not a roofer, and it would have died right there. So I spent two days. End of the time. We took a break about an hour or so before we finished because some of them were going to have to leave immediately. And so I took a break and I went down to, to Dr. Walker and I said, Brother Walker, we're going, to be, uh, we're going to be finished in a little while and just want to let you know and they're, they're going to scatter uh, as soon as we, we complete it so I don't, I don't want to not speak. And, and he was weeping. And when he finally got his composure together, 87 years old, when he finally got his composure together, he said, Brother Paul, I've got to tell you that I have listened to angels' feet on my roof for two days. And I made a joke. I said, you, you've heard me bumbling and stumbling around, and that is not angels' feet. And he said, I'm 87, and I've spent several years thinking that God had forgotten me. And I'm going to die before too many more years. Thank you for the roof. But what you've really done is remind me that the sovereign God of the universe hasn't forgotten this old black guy from Clinton, South Carolina. Now, I, I left his house and I stood in the yard and I cried for a minute. And my buddies up on the roof were watching me because they knew I was emotional and they didn't say anything. We, we, I got up a little bit later, and one of them said, well, what did he say? And I, I told him. And we finished the roof, and, and, and the wind was blowing like it does before a you know, thunderstorm comes in. The last few shingles, you know, we had to hold them down 
while somebody nailed them so they wouldn't you know, blow away. It was getting kind of not that bad, but it, it, it was coming. We finished the man's roof, and we, everybody scattered, and this one guy and I were the last two. We loaded up my truck, his truck. We put our air compressors and things on there, and, and I said, let's, Matthew, let's sit down for a minute and, and rest and, and talk. We let my tailgate on my truck down, and I swear it started raining. It started pouring. We didn't even have two minutes to sit there. So a, a while later, somebody asked me, I was in a conference somewhere, and they asked a group of people, they said, what is the most powerful time of worship you've had in your life recently? And, and people talked about church and, and different things. And I was sitting there, and I guess I had a look on my face because the guy leading it finally said, well, Paul, what are you thinking? You're thinking something. And I said, mine came when I watched God part a storm and we were laying shingles on a roof and I saw an omnipotent God who said, you just finish the task I gave you and it'll be all right. I said, now that was worship. That wasn't just a project. That was worship. I watched the clouds go around. They were everywhere. I said, I watched it. So when, when we're out there being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, this isn't just stuff we're doing. This is making Him real. It's, it's like you said in Sunday school, saying you want a pastor who will make the gospel relevant to today. How relevant can it be when in, in word and deed you teach an 87-year-old man that God who created him hasn't forgotten him? The story actually gets more sad and, and better at the same time. A couple of months later, this was, this was near the Smithfield plant in Clinton. Well, uh, somebody was, was driving a, a chicken truck and ran into the front of, of uh, Dr. Alistair's house and tore up the whole front of his house. I mean, just destroyed it. And so he had to, he had to leave. He couldn't live there much longer. And I called him one day and when he picked up the phone, I said, uh, Dr. Alistair, is this you? And he said, now this is a man I didn't know. I talked to three or four times. Dr. Alistair, is this you? And he said, is this the voice I think it is? And I said, I don't know. Who do you think it is? And he said, I think or I hope it's the voice of Paul Langston. who God sent into my life at my lowest point I've ever been in, when I was ready to die all alone. And God taught me something that if I live another day or live another decade, I'll never forget that God hasn't forgotten me. So because I made the call thinking, man, we did all that work and, and, and paid for the shingles. I thought, man, we wasted our money and our time. They ran into his house, good gracious. Well, praise the Lord, because we did the man's roof, the insurance company didn't cancel his insurance, what they were going to do. And because they didn't cancel his insurance when the truck ran into his house, he got not only the, the repairs that the truck tore up, but the insurance company paid for his house. So we saved him the whole value of his house for two days' work. And God reminded me, you... you you thought you were nailing shingles. 
But you really were saving a man's life internally. Because this man had been a believer for 70 years. He was the first African-American to get a Ph.D. in music from Indiana University. And that was the same house he was born in and that his mama died in. So that was a sacred place for him. When you go out Saturday, you're going to go to people's houses that are just like that. The story will be different. But it'll be just as personal to those people and you're just as much God's hands and feet as that group of us were that day. And see, that's, that's been 17, 16 or 17 years since we did it. I'll never forget that man. He's, he's already in heaven now. But we're going out as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in verse 38, Therefore... Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The beginning question is, do we see what Jesus saw? But the next question is, are we willing to do what he asked us to do? To pray for laborers. Because you, you know, when we pray for something hard enough and diligently enough, very often, we're the first people to respond to that prayer. You know, hey, God, will you please send somebody to reach Conway? Well, you know he's going to send you. You know he is. You may not know how, and you may not know when, but he will. The same thing's true financially. You know, pray, hey, hey, God, will you know, send more money for for Conway Baptist Church or for a missionary somewhere, when you pray long enough, you're, you're going to be a person who's going to say to God, all right, God, what do you want me to do? Have I done what you want? Have I surrendered? So Saturday is honestly one of the most incredible opportunities we have. Vacation Bible School is incredible because we, we get... Lots and lots of children and their families that we can connect with. Uh, Operate in as much is incredible because people allow us to walk on their property and to work on their house or their yard or, or whatever the different things we're doing, schools and, and any number of places. People all across the state will be doing all kinds of things. People allow us to walk into their lives and to show that we really, truly mean what we say we mean, that Jesus Christ is the shepherd who can guide us through life. He really does care. He really will change life. He really is worth it to follow him because of what he gives back. And Jesus said, pray for laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what I want us to do as a church in, in just a moment, I, we're going to sing our invitation hymn. And, but, but as we sing, I want to challenge us as a church. This is the time of prayer this, for, for a couple of different things, several things actually. But first of all, that God will send laborers out and that we'll be the primary ones. Because you realize there are people who have nothing to do with Conway Baptist Church They're, who are willing to help with these projects. They're willing to do it if we ask them. They'd love to do it, actually, some of them. 
And we know who they are. So pray for laborers. And pray that we, you and I, will do everything we can. But secondly, pray for the people to whom we'll minister. That in these next few days, that God will till that soil and it'll be ready and it'll be be dark just like a, a freshly plowed up field. It's just ready for that seed. Ready for the seed to be put in there. That God will, in these days will, will till it and it'll be fertile soil, ready to be planted and really ready to just spring right up. But then thirdly also, that there are going to be a lot of people watching, people all over Conway and beyond, who will see crowds of people doing this and doing that. And they may not even stop. They, they may not even come to where we are. We may not even have those verbal conversations. But that the people who see will understand what God's doing and how deeply Conway Baptist Church cares and that the long-term repercussions will just never stop, that this will be the beginning day, the beginning day of not, not that it's a brand new thing, but of a new, a new launch, a new reputation in the community, that Conway Baptist Church will be like Pastor Roy told me in, in Mahagua, Cuba. They called us for everything. And he started naming some stuff that was some off-the-wall you know, stuff. But he said, they called us, and we're just glad they did. So that those three things, for laborers, including us, for the recipients of, of our labor, but then for the community at large, that God will build up a reputation that will follow us every step. I, I met a lady Thursday morning, her name was Lori, from a church in Raleigh, and she said she went to something a few months back, and at the, well, at the Raleigh Rescue Mission, and she went to give something or pick up something for somebody, and when she was talking to the people in the rescue mission, and she said the church she was from, they said, oh, well, we've heard of you, and she said, I just... It terrified me, but made me curious at the same time. So Lori said, well, all right, okay, what did you hear? And she said, they said, we heard y'all are involved in all kinds of things. We heard that your church ministers in the community in more ways than we can even count. We heard y'all are some great followers of Christ. Oh, my, what a powerful testimony. And wouldn't you... Want Conway Baptist Church to have that kind of testimony? Not that it doesn't already, but to expand it. That everybody in Conway will say, hey, we heard about Conway Baptist Church. And it'll even go beyond that. That people will say, we heard about you. And then they'll, they'll say the kind of things that those folks said to Lori. Because they didn't talk about how many people went. They didn't talk about how big the building was. They didn't talk about the budget. They didn't even talk about the programs, the internal programs. They talked about their impact on the community. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Bow with me together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. And God, we want to surrender to you, surrender to you to do anything you want and and we've got an opportunity coming in a few days. And 
We can be tempted to look at it as an event or an activity or a date on a calendar or, or even something to avoid because we don't want to do those kind of things. God, help us to see it as an incredible opportunity to show you to the world. And God, help us clear our calendars, clear our hearts, and then have the most incredible time we've ever had ministering in this community. God, this is, this is a day of service. And we want it to be the first of many. But what we really want, dear God, is what you said. We're praying for laborers to go out into the harvest because you said it was plentiful. And God, we want to experience that joy of reaping. God, we thank you as we offer this prayer and offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of, of invitation and commitment this morning is hymn 290, I am thine, O Lord. And as we sing, I want to challenge you to come and let's just let's come up to the front and pray as God lays on your heart to pray for laborers, to pray for the recipients, and to pray for the testimony in the community. Whether you're going to be here or not, Join us in prayer. And as we pray that God will ordain it, and when we gather next, after, after sun, Saturday, next Sunday, it'll be a time of celebrating that, hey, we didn't even see that coming. We never thought that would happen. We just thought we were building a ramp. So let's stand together now as we sing hymn 290, I Am Thine, O Lord.